Hello, you're listening to Drawn to the Flame, a podcast for fans of Arkham Horror, the card game. We're sometimes fortnightly, we're sometimes monthly. I'm your host, Frank, and today I'm joined by... It's me, Peter. Hello, Frank. Hi, Peter. How are you doing? Doing great. Haven't spoken to you since last year. Wow. Yeah, because we don't talk between episodes. Yeah. In this format, you haven't. It's been quite a while. <laughs> yeah. There's a sketch from Auntie Donna, which is the guy whose favourite day of the year is 31st of December. Because well, okay. he gets to say to all of his friends, I'll, I'll see you next year. <laughs> wait, you know, it's just Friday. I'll, I'll see you on Monday. Oh, wait a minute. <laughs> it's next year. Wow. Yeah, that, I can I can see that. Although that is... Deeply annoying. <laughs> yeah, but we have been talking. We've been playing together, haven't we? So we have been talking. Yeah, we've been digging into TSK. Tusk. Tusk. But we thought, since we're not in a position to talk about that quite yet, we would... We have thought so. Believe me. We have yeah, oh yeah. Peter has thoughts. Overflowing yeah. with takes. Your take cup overfloweth. We thought we would dig out another of these old archive footage... Unre- previously unreleased first looks from the cave of first looks and that is the answering that cry that call that you know that email we get so often why are there no dunwich legacy first looks and we'll release our dunwich legacy first look so we're going to do another one of those funnily enough we planned to do all five of these last year it's crazy it's last year i'm falling into the trap of what a your man from Auntie Donna says <laughs> we were we were planning to do them all last year, and then spoiler season intervened, and interviews and other things, and yeah. Anyway, we're back at, back in business. Yeah, hundred percent. It's funny. It's called so, the Dunwich Legacy as well. I mean, you said mm-hmm. like Dunwich Legacy. Another of our Dunwich Legacy episodes. It makes it feel like it's the episode that's legacy, which is the it's name a legacy episode. Yeah, it's the, yeah. It's a legacy episode. Just the name exactly. of the, which the name kind of the cycle, of is. though, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the previous time we recorded one of these, I couldn't remember if it was called the Dunwich Legacy. So um, at least I'm getting that right. So yeah, we're going to talk essentially about the player cards from the Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion for players and the faction we're going to decide, I think, right now. But yes. by popular demand, we're going to choose a faction at random. Yeah, yeah. It, it, luckily, um, when I moved house, I remembered we might be recording this early in the year, so I left the faction spinner out and didn't pack it. So I've, I've, it's idea. been sitting, taking up a load of space in the office, having to work around it. Um, it's okay. a good, yeah. it's a good. What's that like? Maybe two and a half meters across. Mm-hmm. So it's it's all yeah. good to work around. Um, but you know that's how I suffer for um, uh, suffer for our fans. Okay, so yeah, sh- you want high quality spins, you've got to have high quality <laughs> See, yeah. spinner. Yeah, I've oiled the bearings so it it should okay. be whisper smooth. Right, I'll give it a spin. And that has landed on Survivor. Wow. Okay. Survivor it is. So we're going to dig out our Dunwich Legacy Survivor player cards. First look. Yes. Starting now. now. <laughs> well, I tell you what, just before we get stuck into the cards, the other exciting mm-hmm. thing I did, but before Christmas? No. Was it? Yeah, it must have been before Was Christmas. it last year, Peter? It was last year. Last year. <laughs> Can you imagine? Such, wow. such a length of time ago. I, I resorted all my cards into set order 
rather than mm-hmm. the faction order I had them in. Okay. Because it means I don't have to resort every single card every time a new pack comes out. Um, it's a nightmare for finding cards, but Arkham uh, Arkham DB will sort the cards in your deck by set, so you can just, you can just do yeah. that and then run through Zoom them. Through. So mm-hmm. I'm actually gonna because I've got all the damage cards. That was me slapping the table um, in this folder here. I'm gonna read along as we go through them. Yeah, and eagle-eared listeners who are thinking, what are all these thumps and sort of the little of the pages? That's <laughs> The ASMR edition from (laughs) Peter, and I'm not going to edit them out. Brilliant. Yeah. Final thing to say, of course, we're taking ourselves back to Dunwich, so we're looking at it from the eyes potentially of the the early days of the game, but we also can't forget the fact that we're now six years. Is it six years? I think it is six years into the game. Maybe maybe five years, five and a bit. It'll be six this year. We're a long way into the game as well. So we've got that experience. So we're looking at these partly with an eye to does this flesh out the faction and then partly with an eye to does this stand the test of time? Yes. And have, yeah, have, let's dive in they, and see. Have they been recontextualized by any, any of the cards? Mm-hmm. So our investigator for the survivor faction is Ashkan Pete, the drifter. You probably couldn't see, but I was doing little uh, bunny ears there for Ashcan. He's got four willpower, two intellect, two combat, three agility. He's drifter traded. You begin the game with Duke in play. Free trigger, discard a card from your hand, ready an asset you control, limit once per round. Elder sign effect, plus two, ready Duke. Only six health and five sanity. We're not going to go into huge detail about Ashcan. We'll do a full investigator-specific episode one day. But yeah, what's your sort of immediate shooting from the hip take on what Ashkan brought to the party for survivors? Well, I think he stands the test of time, doesn't he? He's an iconic character, <laughs> nearly as iconic <laughs> as Duke. <laughs> yeah. I feel like he, he, he really started to stand out, um, what, a cycle or two after release, as being maybe the most played solo investigator I don't know, mm-hmm. I haven't got anything to back that up. But his all-round built-in abilities, he's got he's got a decent willpower on his card, and yep. then he's got uh, a card he starts in play with that gives you a decent fight and a decent investigate ability. And just yeah. having being able having those three things at a decent level is is a very good starting point uh, to play solo. Yeah. Absolutely. And the agility's not to sniff at either in a faction that can boost agility. Like if you if you think of him as having really a stat line of four 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 three, yeah. It's huge. That's nice. so strong. Yeah. Yeah. It's not all the time, of course. Yeah. I I'd also say I feel like I almost always see an Ashkan Pete at events. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's almost like a comfort blanket investigator for lots of people. Okay, I'm going to an event, I'm gonna play a scenario I don't know, or I'm going to be playing with people I don't know. I know, I'll take Ashcan. I'll be able to do a bit of fighting, a bit of investigating. You know, I'll, I'll be okay. Yeah. And I think, yeah, he's really stood the test of time in that regard. Yeah, 100%. The other funny thing about him is the really low health and sanity. And I just don't, even at the time that the game came out, I don't think I understood quite how big a deal that was. And I also think a sign of how strong he is and how one of the things survivor are quite good at is dealing surviving with, yeah <laughs> dealing with dying i don't 
recall from my playing being bothered by that. But he has the lowest investigator stat line of every, any investigator. As in, in health, health and sanity. sanity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For his vitality stats. And yet, you know, people people talk about Lola or Calvin or now Charlie as the the kind of ones you have to be worried about. Or you mm. talk about an investigator either with a five health or five sanity. It's like, oh, that's a weak point. What's is Duke two three? Is he? That's right. Yeah, yeah. Sort of so eight eight eight. Yeah, he's <laughs> really eight eight, <laughs> which is, which is really better than anyone boy. else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Although, of course, you might not want to get to the point of Duke dying, but yeah. No. So yeah, that's Ashcan. So really, generalist vibes come off from him. So let's see if survivor cards in this early part of the game play into that. I guess. Do you like to read us our first card? Um, or do you want me to read it? Well, I mean, it, there's, there's a big decision here. <laughs> you go first, and yeah. I'll jump in second. Okay. So our first player card is the Fire Axe. One cost asset with a combat icon. Item, weapon, melee. Action, fight. If you have no resources in your resource pool, this attack deals plus one damage. Free trigger during an attack using Fire Axe. Spend one resource, you get plus two combat for this skill test. Limit three times per attack. Takes up a hand slot. Just, I, th- I feel like this is still a solid card. It does a few things, and it doesn't quite well. It can give you a very hefty uh, stat boost. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. even for a plus one, six. yeah, even for a one fight investigator, you can get up to seven, right? for the mere cost of spending three of your precious resources. Yeah. So I think like for people who just want to boost their stat high and don't mind too much about damage, it doesn't seem like a bad pick. And actually, this is, might be a theme <laughs> when we record these kind of episodes. Not a bad shout for Concealed, right? Ooh. We're going to dig into Concealed in in a big way <laughs> in, in the future. But just mm-hmm. I, I wanted to shout out for this card. I don't know whether many of the other cards in this this cycle um, have the same kind of relevance. But, you know, with Concealed, you don't mind doing one damage to something. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You maybe wonder more about reliably hitting the skill test threshold. Yeah. It means you're going to be passing regularly. This could be a way of doing that. So this this really probably will talk more about this when we get to a card coming later in this cycle. Quite, Mm -hmm. Quite a bit later. It, it combos with other things which rely on you having no resources in your pool. And <laughs> it combos a little bit with Preston as well, who can sort of have pseudo no no resources. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. can have resources on his inheritance, but not in his pool. Yes. Yeah. And with the four resources on the inheritance, you could swing, for f- swing at five, swing at five for two attacks and be doing four damage while having no resources, which is obscene pretty fun i thought of preston i've used this in wendy before for dealing with things like rats mm-hmm. where yeah. rats are three evade they're a bit of a nuisance they hunt you you just want a one damage answer you don't want to spend a, a backstab on a rat so a, wa- a one cost weapon as well yeah yeah it's one cost it's cheap it's really nice the other thing i think is that this is a card that i think of as a really it's a bit of a tricksy podcast card because 
I find it one of the most fun cards to play for the decisions it forces you to make around your resource pool. Mm-hmm. But illustrating those things in a purely verbal medium is really hard work. <laughs> purely oral medium. You know, I've had lots of times either playing opposite someone with Fire Axe or playing solo myself with Fire Axe where, say, you have four resources and you've drawn a four health enemy. You're trying to work out, well, hang on, I can't do four damage because i can only spend three resources on the fire axe but i've got a lucky in hand and all of that stuff feels to me quintessentially survivor that weird dance of making the most of what you have and it's just a really fun card like really really enjoyable doing that yeah yeah what's next next we have uh (laughs) peter sylvester the big man on campus bmoc this is a three cost Mm -hmm. asset with the uh, ally and miskatonic traits, he has a single willpower pip. And he says, you get plus one agility. Uh, reaction, after your turn ends, heal one horror from Peter Sylvester. He has uh, one health and two sanity. And his flavour text is, the broad-shouldered young man exudes the sort of confidence one only finds in youth. And he uses up the ally slot. Mm. I think Pete... Why do we... Call him Pete rather than Peter. It's written on the card, Peter. If you'd put a gun to my head and said, guess what is written on the card, I would have said Pete. Pete Sylvester. Pete Sylvester. Yeah. No, it's Peter. <laughs> He's really good, right? <laughs> yeah. Very really good. good. Really good. I mean, if we compare him to Jessica, Jessica Hyde, who came out quite a bit later and is was designed, one would imagine, with a bit more understanding of where the power curve of the game ended up. She costs an XP, and she comes into play with damage already on her. She does have mm-hmm. three health as opposed to two sanity, like like Pete Scott. Mm-hmm. But she comes in with the two damage on her straight away, so you can't you can't ditch anything onto her the first turn she comes in. Yeah. So for people listening to this who are maybe newer to the game and just getting done it or haven't yet got to Jessica, she's basically the mirror of Peter Sylvester. She gives you combat instead of agility but she heals damage instead of horror so a pretty popular thing to do is run charisma and run both of them you get two stat boosts and in theory you can survive (laughs) anything (laughs) with enough time (laughs) yeah yeah the soak twins are in play and you can just be soaking and soaking and soaking for days and that's (laughs) again part of what makes survivor survivor you're doing a lot of surviving and taking hits particularly if you can say pass a treachery well enough or rather fail a treachery but fail it not very badly if you know what i mean so fail a rotting remains but only by one peter sylvester just soaks up all the excess Mm -hmm. it's survivors are less keen at this point in the game on taking huge hits of stuff they can do the dribs and drabs although that might be about to change i think pete pete Peter really sings when you're playing an investigator who plays with effects or abilities that damage themselves and mm-hmm. gives you some kind of run over an insurance for when you're not able to use those abilities uh, to, to gain the tempo in, in, in a way or mm-hmm. to provide you with a bit of a smoothing of the spikes of when you're taking damage from those abilities. Yeah, it can it can only really have one horror on him at level zero, but mm-hmm. even that is is good. It, it stops you taking it for a turn and then kind of smooths out the curve, the spike of taking taking horror. I'm thinking in particular of investigates like Agnes, 
and Daniela, potentially someone like Yorick, Calvin as well. All those investigators were playing around with damaging themselves for various effects. Yeah, I think there might be a time when you need to stop damaging yourself or you are taking too much damage in a turn and he's that overflow. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm really glad what you said about Jessica will come to a leveled up version of Peter Sylvester in this episode. And (laughs) I think it's one of the most generous upgrades, but we'll talk about that in a moment. It's not quite next. So next we have bait and switch this is a one cost event with intellect and agility icons it's trick traded it reads evade if you succeed if the enemy is non-elite evade the enemy and move it to a connecting location i feel like i haven't played with this card maybe ever (laughs) Mm -hmm. maybe once or Mm -hmm. twice do you have much experience using it probably not much more than that why is it underplayed then? Well, why is it not played much? Maybe it's played the correct amount. <laughs> it came out in Dunwich when evasion was not considered a good solution for enemies. Mm-hmm. We already have weapons like machete, and in this box we also get the fire axe. Imagine if instead of the fire axe for survivor, we had got another evade card. You'd then have this other evade card, Peter Sylvester giving you an agility icon. Uh, agility boost a static boost and bait and switch it would feel like it was all pulling in the same direction but instead unfortunately i think the majority of players were aiming more towards killing enemies at that point and evasion was still much less yeah much less popular i suppose i'd add to that that i would say that the criticism we would have at that point is there are so many things you need to deal with around enemies whether they hunt or have doom on them the idea that you would just evade an enemy and shift it out the way. But it's funny, because looking at this card, I think this card is is reasonable. Mm. And I think I've come out to bat for other cards that do similar things, whether that's um, ethereal slip and switching positions with an enemy, or just the idea of if you can move a hunter one away from you and then you can move, the hunter might never catch up with you in a scenario. Maybe there's something about it requires such specific knowledge of the sorts of enemies you're going to tangle with. Yeah, it's not necessarily flexible here because you need an enemy... First of all, you need an enemy that's non-elite, that's that's mm-hmm. a blocker. And I've been noticing more recently how more... I don't know whether generous is the right word, but problem enemies are more often elite. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe that's that's just a perception of mine over a couple of scenarios... It needs it needs a non-lead enemy that's at your location that when you move it to a connecting location isn't going to cause the trouble. It isn't going to cause trouble. Yeah. So it's not yeah. going to be on your way out of a scenario, and it doesn't have hunter to come back and and, and cause you uh, trouble in a, in a couple of turns time. Mm. It feels like it's narrowing down the times when I can use this. It is a great tech card for specific situations. I'm thinking about. Oh, does it work in Carnival, though? You're not connected to the location behind you. You are to let one in front of you. I suppose you could push an enemy in front of you and then it has to hunt all the way around to catch up with you. <laughs> that's that's something. Like there is, There are problems that this card solves. It just only solves those problems and other problem-solving cards would solve more problems as well. It comes down to would you trade a resource and a card on an evade to shift an enemy? And the answer is not always. Yes. 
Yeah. And so, it doesn't help with the evade either. That's the other thing. It doesn't help with the evade, no, no. Also, just a weird thing. I think this has slightly archaic templating. Oh, yeah? I think a modern writing of this card would read, if you succeed, if the enemy is non-elite, move it to a connecting location. It doesn't need to say evade the enemy. No, you're right. Because it's a bold evade already. Yeah. And it's not replacing the effects of the evade. Yeah, it's a card I kind of wish was good. I like the stories it tells. I like the feeling you get from playing it. And yet, I never find... You're not playing it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, should we move on to Peter Sylvester, level two? He's still the big man on campus. He still has a single willpower icon. And he he hasn't gained a trait. Uh, What he has gained is uh, an additional stat boost. Because he says you get plus one agility and plus one willpower. His ability is the same. So uh, he has a reaction after your turn ends. Heal the horror from him. He now has three horror rather than uh, sorry three sanity rather than two sanity, so you can take two horror and heal that back up over a couple of turns. It's a really generous, <laughs> it's a really yeah. generous uh, set of updates here. Like the 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 willpower stat, I find far more useful than the agility stat, and most people I can take him in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember first using him in Agnes. Uh, and mm. he's just like a match made in heaven for Agnes. He turns Agnes into what six willpower and four agility, four agility. plus yeah. plus yeah. the horror healing for when her abilities rolled over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's, it's he's so good. <laughs> yeah, if you pop him in Ashcan Pete, who comes in the same box as him, you end up with five willpower and four agility, which is great. And Ashcan Pete has five sanity, so you get healing for days it's also a really nice match yeah he's up there in the you know the top ranks of allies i think of this yes. form i think if he was created now for 2 xp you'd get another icon <laughs> and not another stat boost and maybe yes. the one more sanity yeah i, yeah. I think maybe it could be wrong we did see allies like janae beauregard come out who's a very generous two stat booster 3 XP and an amazing ability who's then been tabooed. I think he sort of falls into the bracket. I, I don't know, maybe, maybe these days there's more good allies, so it's there's, there's more that I'm keen to run. Mm-hmm. But I certainly felt like there was a phase sort of in the middle period of the game where it was very hard to justify running someone who wasn't Pete in, in, in quite a few decks. Yes. that yeah. That's kind of the worst sort of overpowered isn't it where he crowds out other options because he's an option in a single ally you've got a single ally slot mm-hmm. by default yeah um if he starts crowding out other options you just don't run other allies yeah it's not like accessories where there's a, a, a broad range of different use of the well i mean accessories an interesting example anyway because you've got lucky cigarette case <laughs> so, mm-hmm. which is which is you know a very good generally useful option but but you know there's lots of lots of good accessories you could fit into that slot with allies when yeah. none of them quite measured up to Pete you know you just ended up running Pete all the time and no one else. There is another ally that comes later who's the survivor patron Madame Lebranche, who I think is in Survivor the only ally I saw really competing with Peter for quite a long time, and that's a very specific. And she, exactly, she's quite specific as well, isn't she? Yeah, and I suppose the other thing that changed in the game as we got more and more spells mystics who could run peter or agnes who could run peter 
there was more pressure on her to run Arcane Initiate instead for the draw. But, you know, it's a, a toss-up between two good allies. He's incredibly strong. It's strange to me as well how his vitality stats seem so puny, really. 1-3. Three. 3 is great, but 1 health, he gets knocked out for a single point of damage. And yet, he's an absolute powerhouse. <laughs> so, there we go. Next, we have... Oops. Oh no, what happened? <laughs> well done. This is a two-cost event with double combat icons. It's fortune-traded. It is actually, I think, wonderful art. There's one deep one creature reaching towards you and another one being shot in the head. in the side of yeah, the head. Yeah. Really Fast. Play after you fail a skill test by two or less while attacking an enemy engaged with you. Deal this attack's damage to a different enemy at your location. Am I right in thinking that the ref- the art on uh, Underprepared is a reference to as well? Ooh. I feel like the art on Underprepared, this is from memory, is someone facing down three deep ones with two bullets. Oh, okay. Well, great knowledge if that's the case. Yeah. It's very similar. So what's, what's your experience of Oops? Did we not do an episode about Oops at some point? Did we? Was it a why no one runs this card? <laughs> I think it was, yeah. <laughs> but but weirdly, it's like, possible. I think similar to what you said about Fire Axe, right? I, I haven't seen this card played that much. But when I have seen it played, people have done really, really fun stuff with it. Wait, Fire Axe or Bait and Switch? Well, you said about Fire Axe. Whenever you see someone using it, they're having a great time. Oh, yeah, okay. And cool. people are like, oh, yeah, I'll chuck in these resources because I'm hacking away at it. Bait and Switch, you know, maybe there's a there's a... Oh, it, it comes off and it, it does something kind of useful. But oops, you'll see someone like... I remember once playing with a friend in... What's it called? Curse of the Ruguru. And they tried to shoot an enemy engaged that deliberately missed so they could shoot the Ruguru using oops and killed it. Because great. Because Absolutely the, great. the Ruguru's aloof, right? And you can't engage it without spending yep. clues unless you're like throwing dynamite around or accidentally mm-hmm. shooting it, inverted commas, accidentally <laughs> shooting it yeah. when it's standing yeah. behind something else. It's such a fascinating card to me because there's a whole archetype now really around getting clues in Survivor by not having a good intellect and just cheating them with look what I found with key ring, with lucky, so on and so forth. But with oops, it doesn't feel like there's a similar thing that has built up in the same to the same degree around fighting yeah there are some you know there's the i want to say the 0.18 derringer the survivor derringer that rewards you for missing and makes it easier to hit but it seems to me like it's less of a thing that you can just go into dealing with enemies poorly and get away with it and i think it's partly because of the penalty if you don't deal with an enemy efficiently in arkham it starts punishing you Whereas if you try and investigate and don't get a clue, yes, you're slowed down, but you're not <laughs> like actively punished by the game for doing that unless you're on a really tight clock. So dealing with enemies comes with more risk, and that means that there's normally less scope for being like, oh, I'm a three-fight investigator, so I'll run oops and see how I get on. Yeah, It's much more like, no, I need to land my hits. I can't afford to spend two resources on a card to hit another enemy. And of course, this, this card is only on if you have two enemies in play. Yeah. 
because you can't deal the missed damage to the enemy that you were attacking. Well, that was one of the reasons why the upgrade was a lot more appealing as well, wasn't it? Although mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that'll be the return to, right? I think that's isn't that in Stella's deck? Might be. I think the originals in Stella's deck. Because I, I think uh, okay, this. Okay. Yes, you're right. It is the return to. Yeah. I think this this does look a bit more appealing in Stella, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you can manipulate your failing tests a bit more, and you get an action back. Yeah. Yeah. But the upgraded oops, it can deal the damage back to the enemy you originally meant to attack. Mm-hmm. So you don't need an additional enemy there, and it gives you some insurance against hitting your allies, if I remember right. Yes, it reads, play after you fail a skill test by three or less while attacking an enemy. So it doesn't even care that the enemy's engaged with you anymore. And you then deal the attack's damage to any enemy at your location. And if the attacked enemy is engaged with another investigator, the attack deals no damage to that investigator. It gives you everything you want, basically, out of it. You don't hit your teammate, not that you could use Oop Zero anyway in that situation. But also you can just direct the damage wherever you want. I can see that. I like that. It's a nice stepping stone. One day there'll be a card, well, there is a card down the rabbit hole that rewards you for upgrading cards by the same name. I, th- I think there should still be <laughs> that's, a reward for that. And that's why, why Oops will finally come good, because it'll be a stepping yeah, stone. Zero. Same with to, Blackjack to Zero, <laughs> same with all of the cards. You know, seeking Answer Zero, all the stepping stones to the other cards. You know, the other limitation with this card is that the enemy needs to be engaged with you that you swing at. So it's, if that enemy has retaliate or if that enemy is actually quite easy to hit and you're wanting to hit another one, it all gets complicated. What's next? Next, we have Fire Extinguisher. This is a two-cost asset. It costs uh, one, X, uh, one XP and it has an agility icon. It has the item, tool and melee traits and it has two abilities. The first is action, fight. You get plus one combat for this attack. The second is Action and Exile, Fire Extinguisher. Evade, you get plus three agility for this test. If you are successful, evade each other enemy engage with you as well. And it uses up a single hand slot. This just made me think about the other point against Bait and Switch. is that you don't even get to pay, play Bait and Switch reactively when you evade an enemy. Mm-hmm. You yeah. have to go into it by paying the one and because the evade... You know, imagine if Bait and Switch was just fast play after you evade an enemy yeah you could then play bait and switch so that would combo with this where you could move one of the enemies you evade in the mega evade anyway you can't yeah (laughs) fire extinguisher another not very popular card it falls into the trap that some early weapons fall into in this game which is giving you a combat boost but no extra damage Mm -hmm. and the exile ability doesn't quite make up for the fact that it doesn't have damage. So you don't really want to run this card just for plus one combat. And yes, it's nice to have a panic button evade, but Survivor already has one in Cunning Distraction. I think I would rather pay the three extra for Cunning Distraction and not need the additional action or the use of the hand slot. Yeah, or the Exile. Well, yeah, it's an XP. I, I don't mind Exile. I think a lot of other people... When this came out, I think a lot of people had a quite a visceral reaction to Exile. I think we'll see that mm-hmm. in the next card as well, which I don't I think was underplayed. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, it has to be said, Exile is better now than it was then, simply by the fact Absolutely. that we've got Deja Vu, so you can yeah. more easily run Exile builds. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. 
and we've long argued for the strength of exile as a pseudo adaptable as well you don't have to rebuy fire extinguisher so you could put fire extinguisher in your deck because you know there's a situation in a scenario that needs a big evade and then exile it and fill it in with something else at level zero yeah i definitely think like the there's a little there's a few too many hoops to jump through here as thematic and as fun as this card is uh it's outclassed by other panic button evade cards other tools mm. and itself at level three which is which is it does it solves all of these problems yes yeah it does it's probably the biggest jump up in terms of unpopular to popular the level three is marvelous card yeah and yeah it's pretty wild to Very see like generous fighters then toting around a fire extinguisher as their main weapon yeah yeah going ham next we have flare this is tactic traded. Can Mark take above level zero flares? I don't uh, <laughs> above level zero flares. Above level zero tactics. I don't think he can. It's a two cost event. It's level one. It has a wild icon. It's tactic traded, as I said. Either choose one, fight. You get plus three combat and deal plus two damage for this attack. Exile flare, or search the top nine cards of any investigator's deck for an ally asset and put it into play under your control, then Exile Flare, shuffle the search deck. I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Flare. I don't think I've played it that often, but I think it's a nice pair of abilities in that it's it's a way to search up allies early, and if you get it later when you set up, it's a way, it's just a nice damage button. Mm -hmm. I especially like that the search ability doesn't exile unless you put the, the ally into play. So you can really yes. make a, an assessment for whether it's worth exiling this card, depending on what you find in the search. Mm-hmm. You can't choose not to pick an ally if you find Is that it. right. That's right. Yeah. I believe so. But you can be very targeted with that. You might be desperate to get your Peter Sylvester into play early in a scenario because you've got a couple of mental trauma and you need to heal horror. You might want to do all sorts of shenanigans about stealing someone else's ally, whether that's a beat cop or a leo de luca or a milan christopher if that's what you want to do so it gives you a lot of freedom there i think this is going to see more play again now that we have charlie kane who mm. is all about allies and this combined with calling in favors gives you lots of options for getting allies into place swiftly mm-hmm. and i'd agree with you i have taken this card before almost ignoring the second ability and just taking it as a 1 XP 3 damage card, yeah, it's it's pretty potent. With the plus 3 combat, it's going to really help you get there. I was running it in Calvin where I was running Peter Sylvester and Jessica Hyde. So there would be a reason to flare for them. But I was finding that what I really liked was when my stats were great. I've said this before on the cast. All I wanted to do with, with Calvin was do things efficiently so kill enemies quickly or get lots of clues in one go and something like flare it's almost like another brute force it's another boost with more damage yeah i just i really like that i think it's really strong i'd even go so far as to say if i'm building a standalone deck and i'm on 18 xp (laughs) i'd be sorely tempted to put flare in as my final one xp because you know as long as as long as the the investigator can reasonably fight, it just feels like a really nice final XP rounds out deck really nicely. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, right, should we move on? Oh, I get to turn the page. Mm. Next, we have newspaper. This is a one-cost asset. It uh, has an intellect pip. It has the item trait. And it says you get plus two intellect while investigating if you have no clues. There's nothing in the headlines about the horrors you've witnessed, but the obituary section is disturbingly long. And this uses up a single hand slot. Now, we were talking about newspaper recently, weren't we? Yeah, I think especially newspaper level two are uh, in that mm-hmm. kind of Butterfingers style of Daryl deck in particular. I think there's yeah. maybe an option there. If you're dropping clues, then the first clue you pick back up, you get this bonus for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think especially uh, newspaper level two, which is a is a big upgrade to newspaper. Mm-hmm. That said, <laughs> out with that, and maybe with if if you wanted to do, the problem is. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Go on. Well, I, I was going to say, it, it, it again, a bit like Firax, I can see it having some use against concealed enemies in mm. Scarlet Keys. Mm-hmm. Because then you've got a reason to investigate, uh, but not pick up clues. But I just don't think that style of play has had a huge amount. There's not a, a, not a style of deck which investigates but doesn't get clues. Anyone who's yeah. investigating is also going to be someone getting clues. Mm. Like, you could look at... I remember, I remember when Rex... I played Rex in Dunwich, and Rex was absolutely... was, was broken. And I put um, burglary in there as well. Mm. I was investigating to trigger burglary, but because I was playing Rex, I was also finding clues. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, at no point did I wish I also had newspaper, because I was picking up clues. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know, mate... If, if it wasn't a hand slot, if it had the tone trade or a tool trade. I think <laughs> yeah. there's lots of ways... It was it, a different card. If it was yeah. a different card, there's lots of ways it could be better that just yeah. slightly kneecap it from being good. Like, you could say, like, you know, a, a plus two investigate two or three times a scenario, you know, when I'm finding my first clue and then after I've spent all my clues each subsequent time. That's not bad for one cost and one action. Like, one cost, mm-hmm. one, cost one action to get three uh, perceptions or pseudo-perceptions. That's not terrible. But do I want to sacrifice a hand slot for the entire game for that? Yeah. I don't think yeah. I do. And like you say, if it was a tool, which makes sense it's not because it's a newspaper, that's not a tool. <laughs> but if it were a tool with tool, tool belt, belt now, yeah. you could take it away when you didn't need it, bring it back. That would be very nice, but well, you can't. If it yeah. was a tome, you know, research librarian could fetch it. You could attach it to Abigail. You could yeah. play it with... Um, Daisy's parallel version, or whatever it's called, you know. Yeah, I, I think it's a cheap build-up parallel Daisy. Yeah, yeah. I just know. I just never quite. Yeah, and I and I was keen for it. I think I, there's. If someone listens back to a very old episode of the podcast, they'll probably hear me compare it to Eater in Netrunner, mm-hmm. and that was a card that let you like break ice, but at the cost of not accessing any, not accessing any cards. And that felt mm-hmm. similar on newspaper. Are we going to get a load of effects we can stack on just successfully investigating? Mm-hmm. That sits mm-hmm. in that deck, but that deck doesn't really exist. Yeah, and unfortunately, unlike Eater, it doesn't say the penalty for using the newspaper is you don't find clues. It says you have to already have not found clues. Oh, and by the way, if you use newspaper and investigate, it'll just turn itself off. Yeah which is you don't get a choice in turning it on or off in that regard. 
I'd be interested to revisit it with Butterfingers. And particularly if you're floating, so in solo, you might be floating around zero to three clues. And I have been playing Butterfingers Daryl solo, so dropping clues, so that I can re-trigger investigating locations with the Hawkeye folding camera. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then because I'm doing Hawkeye folding camera, I have an intellect boost. So I'm not sure I need the newspaper, but it would help. That's why I think that the, the level two newspaper is so much more hot than, than level zero. Mm-hmm. Because it, mm-hmm. it gives you an extra clue, right? If you have no clues, you can yes, exhaust yeah. it to get an extra clue. Yeah, you bounce back up much more quickly. I was going to say, as you were describing Concealed, maybe there's a an Ashcan build out here where Ashcan's role is enemy management. Mm. But with a newspaper, that means he investigates with Duke. At six, yeah, that's, that's and with Duke, nice. that means he can move into a location, see what the shroud is, and investigate it, and to reveal concealed cards. And he's not really contributing to getting clues unless it's really needed. And he's using Duke as a sort of move and conceal reveal. Maybe you sort of said the point you made there is if I contrive a situation where newspaper is the perfect card, newspaper is quite a useful yeah. card. It's okay. <laughs> it's okay. I'm, I'm not sure if I'm run, not, not just running magnifying glass or Hawkeye folding camera. Or flashlight, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. Or the key ring. Yeah. <laughs> right. Should, I think we, we talked about newspaper for long enough. I think should, we should move on. Yes. Let's move on to Lure. This is a one cost event, one XP, double agility icons. Interestingly, you said Lure. I yeah. Would say this is Lure. This is the bane. This is the hardest card to say on the podcast. Is it? And every time we talk about this card, one of us makes a comment about how it's lure. Oh, really? (laughs) Sorry to be so predictable. Lure. But but you're like a trained speaking person. So are you not right (laughs) on this? Just the untrained speaking person. (laughs) I can't can't not speak proper. (laughs) Maybe it's just I can't say that word. If it was a P, pure, I could say fine, but it's the L. Lure. What about allure? Allure, fine. Yeah. Allure. Allure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's no, like allure. That, that lure. Non- non-alcoholic sparkling drink. Slur. <laughs> Slur. Slur. Yeah. So with this trick, you attach it to your location for one cost and an action. During the enemy phase, each enemy that moves does so along the shortest path towards the attached location instead of to where it would normally move. There's a forced effect. While attached, at the end of the round, discard lure. Is there an upgraded lure? Um, what does it do differently? No. Yes, you are. There is. Yes, there is. You are wrong. That allows you to place it at the connecting location. And that's it. Actually, but that I think is. I was quite hot on that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think I was as well. I don't think I've used it since, but it's a big upgrade. Mm-hmm. Because it can stop an enemy moving <laughs> towards you, unlike this. Yeah. So yeah. you need to place the lure and then run past run the enemy. Yeah. Or you need to be the person who's taking it for the team and drawing everything towards you. Mm. Which is Daniela style. Yes. 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 That's true. I mm-hmm. find Daniela quite slots tight anyway, so I don't know why yeah. I'm room for this. But <laughs> I like I like XP. I like where your head head's at. I sort of feel like it, the, at the end of the round, discard Lear is, is really tough. But then again, I suppose all yeah. that, that means is you could just stick it right at the end of a really long path and then teleport out 
and then your mm-hmm. enemy, you would disarm, like, totally disarm a hunter, even an elite hunter, which this would work on. Yes, yeah. It does, importantly, change the direction of everything if you can find that key Each enemy. I've used this before in Undimensioned and Unseen, mm-hmm. and there were the avian thralls and the lupine thralls and whippoorwills. The broods just move weirdly anyway. Mm-hmm. Although that's still during the enemy phase, I think. Or maybe that's the end. Anyway, I can't remember if it affects the broods, but it definitely affects all the rest. And you can do some kiting. And that map is surprisingly small. So giving yourself even a turn's grace to keep ahead of a lot of thralls is useful. Yes. It's, yeah, it is what you described. The trickiness is you spend an action to play it and then you're... In target number numero uno for it, all the enemies. It's <laughs> it's the moment in Jurassic Park when Jeff Goldblum goes and runs to distract the T Rex, copying Sam Neill, and then realizes the T Rex is chasing him. Yeah. Which, you know, that's that's the problem you might have. You think it's a cunning play to get away from enemies, but it's bringing them towards you. And that's what led me to thinking, do you sort of want this in in a fighter enemy uh, fighter investigator where you're like yeah enemies come to me the other thing is i think makeshift trap does some of what lure is trying to do but better Mm -hmm. it's just of course makeshift trap to get to that point you might be using multiple xp but you can hold up enemies with the makeshift trap which is nice that's three xp i suppose and you can play makeshift trap fast as well. Is there another? Is there an option to attach it to a different? Oh yeah, you can also attach it to a revealed connecting location. I guess yeah. The difference there is that you pour a lot of XP into that card, whereas there is just a single one XP. But yeah, an odd one. File under odd with fire extinguisher and bait and switch. Should we move on? Let's do it. Right, we have uh, a skill card. This is Rise to the Occasion. It has three wild icons. Innate. Commit only to a skill test you are performing, and only if the difficulty of that test is at least two higher than your base skill value. Mm. I've got a real soft spot for this card. I don't know whether it's actually that good, but I really <laughs> like it. I think it's really cool. Is he actually rising to the occasion? He seems to me like he's just... I mean... His shotgun has risen to the occasion, I suppose. He's like, <laughs> taking a shot. But he's sort of lying down. Anyway, I have a soft spot for this card as well. I find I probably can recall more times when it's been annoying and I've been one below the threshold. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Even at two stat, mm. you then need a four difficulty test to put it into. Yeah, it, you really can ignore the icons on this card because what it says is if you're two below... You're now one over. Mm -hmm. So that's the other thing where I'm like, ooh, this juicy three wild card. But it doesn't get you to that feeling of, oh, I've just committed three icons and I'm way over the threshold. It only ever gets you to one over. So I find it, I often use it in combination with other things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The exception is, of course, if you're playing someone like Calvin or Preston. Mm-hmm. Where your base is very low, but your actual stat might be higher. Yes, that's right, yeah. So Calvin, like, he just needs a two-difficulty test to put this into, and he's away. And it might be that his actual skills at that point, his actual stats, are twos themselves, and this this gives him that plus three. You know, it might be that he's not using it to go from zero to three. But, yeah, 
no, it's it's nice in that regard. It's really good in Kelvin. I I definitely agree. I don't, can't believe I'm going to do this. I'm going to check the wording for Duke. Does Duke give you a base? Base, yeah, I believe he sets your base stat yeah. at four. The other place I really like this is in Patrice. Yeah, I was going to say Patrice as well. She's happy to just burn the cards in her hand. And she's got a bunch of two stats. So if she comes across a difficult stat, this in combination with other things is is great. You might even be using it defensively for your willpower in Silas, which is nice as well. Yeah, 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 that's not bad. It's a good good card, I think. I think I'm maybe seduced by the three wild icons and have to remind myself that it's it's not really three wild icons for the, the tests that you really want it. Yeah. Next we have Scrapper. Oh, baby. This is a null-costed 3xp asset. It's a talent. It's permanent. Free trigger spend one resource, you get plus one combat for this skill test. Free trigger spend one resource, you get plus one agility for this skill test. It's in that suite of permanent cards that boost stats. <laughs> yeah. And damage. Yeah, all of which except for one of them are really good. One of them or two of them? Well, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we I think we said this in the in the Guardian as well. <laughs> but it, it's this is it still tabooed? It was tabooed for a long time. at two extra XP Up from to fight. Yeah, yeah, I believe it is. Yeah, it's just having that ability on tap is very very good. And if you're playing mm-hmm. a, a red fighter, then it's just a just a great card to pick. Like these stat boosters, they work whether you prefer one stat or the other as well. You're not sacrificing mm-hmm. anything by not using both the stats, really. So yeah. if you're a fighter or an evader in Survivor, then this is not a bad 5 XP to spend if you can get a solid economy going mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to pop those resources into. What I've also seen people do with it is because you can, whenever you're taking a skill test, you can trigger these abilities, even if you're not testing that stat. Because mm. it says for this for this skill test, if you're wanting to drop to zero resources for something like the fire axe, you could put three resources into the fire axe to give yourself a plus six, and then put one into scrapper. You're getting a plus seven, which might be way more than you need, but that might be what you do to get to zero resources. So it gives you a sort of resource overflow, yeah, or resource you know vent that you can just pour your resources into, and there's another card coming up for which that might be really useful to just have a way <laughs> in play from the start of a scenario that if you need to suddenly dump resources, you can. It's unlimited the amount you can do as well. So I've seen plenty of people play rich survivors and then when they need to, they can be five up on a test if they if that's where they want to be, if that's agility or, or combat. Next, we have a another asset. This is Dark Horse. It's a three-cost asset. It has one willpower pip, and it is a condition. Limit one per investigator. During the upkeep phase, you may choose to not gain resources. While you have no resources in your resource pool, you get plus one willpower, plus one intellect, plus one combat, and plus one agility. Woohoo! I tell you what, if... I know we gave it quite a lot of time, but if newspaper had a may ability on it, rather than it just being set think it would grow in power may as in what as in something like you know you can get plus two intellect but you don't get any clues you you, yeah you can choose not to get any clues sort of thing rather than you 
it's only when you don't have clues that you get the plus two intellect. Mm. Something like that. I'm not, I'm just, the thing I like, I guess, and trying to say that I like about Dark Horse is that it doesn't force you to do anything. You can play Dark Horse and then just keep playing the scenario as normal. You're not getting anything out of it. But you the the skill I think in Dark Horse is knowing when to just stop taking resources. And I would often say that I play Dark Horse and always take my resource in upkeep <laughs> because I have Scrapper to put it into or Fire Axe yeah. or Lucky or any number of other cards that I can put resources into. But then Dark Horse is a it's this threshold that I can drop down to when I want power turns and to, to push ahead. Yes, I get you. And I think that's an interesting way to play Dark Horse. A lot of people go all in on the effect and try to have it active all the time. And mm. I think that's legit as well. I've run a few decks like that, including a Preston deck, for the same reason we, uh, as, as you take Fire Axe in Preston, because he can run with no resources in his pool, but still have a lot of cash on hand. This, of course, pumping up to a, a mighty, pumping up to a mighty two stats across the board. I mean, yeah. How many other investigators does it give you a full hundred percent increase in your stats? <laughs> but yeah, you, you can run it like that. You can aim to go all in on the ability, or you can run it in an investigator who doesn't run cash heavy and know that it's a stat boost when you need it across mm. the board. Mm-hmm. I think one of the things that's interesting and that I've I don't know whether I've tried to express on the podcast before. Certainly I've tried to express it, I think, to you before. It's hard to utilise all of your stats. So Dark Horse is really probably more like plus one or plus two stats, mm. not mm. not plus yeah. four stats. It looks very good when you look at the at the numbers on it, but if you're playing if you're playing as Duke, right, are you evading very often? I mean I suppose Duke's it. Um, Ash can pizza for agility. So with this, so maybe he is. But if you're not building a very generalist character, how much use are you getting out of all four stat boosts? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people see Dark Horse. They say I'm going to go broke, and what it's actually giving them is a steady combat boost it's for a, their a, fire. A, of plus one combat. Yeah, exactly. Which is a an interesting way of getting to that plus one combat. And maybe you'd be better placed to put Jessica in your deck for one XP and yeah. get combat. And yeah. That said, I mean, like, you know, um, Fire Axe is still a good card because it's still then a one-cost weapon, which is dealing two yeah. damage every time you hit with it. Yeah, an unlimited amount of two damage. Yeah, so, so it's, it's not bad. It's just, you know, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a thing to think about when you're going for that Dark Horse style. Mm, mm. The other thing worth noting is I think Dark Horse is a fantastically fun style to play whether that's I'm just going to not have any resources or whether I'm going to bounce up and down with resources and again to me it feels like a signature survivor thing to do and maybe you run a really skill heavy investigator where you don't have too much you want to spend your resources on so you you spend a few resources on setting up including playing dark horse and then you're good to go what I found is sometimes I like doing that at level zero and I then transition out of Dark Horse when I've got more things I want to play. I know I've said on the cast before about a Silas deck I ran that I actually found Dark Horse was sort of getting in the way by the end of a campaign. So that was fine. I just upgraded out of it. You're not not committed to it. So yeah. It's a really good card, I think. I've even seen, you know, I've even seen it in Agnes as a sort of scenario closer. You've played the spells you need. 
and you play this down and you're then on low resources, you've got a way of bouncing up back with resources with forbidden knowledge and you're getting a steady willpower boost, which is more or less what you want. But you might also be wanting to combine stats with the Dream Eater's spell events feat. Next, we have Survival Instinct Level 2. This got two agility icons and it's a skill. It's innate and developed. If this test is successful during an evasion attempt, the evading investigator may immediately evade each other enemy engaged with him or her and may move to a connecting location. Um, I feel like I... This is so specific. <laughs> it doesn't really feel like it's worth the 2 XP to me. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The extra icon is nice over survival instinct. Zero. Yeah. But I feel like I would be much more happy taking like a manual dexterity and then manual dexterity level two. Mm-hmm. Although, mm-hmm. obviously, that's a different faction. I remember this got a bit more attention when Rita came out because mm. she has a way of turning all of aids into damage. And this yes. is a two XP deal one damage to everyone engaged with you in a very specific situation. I think this card is surprisingly strong. Interesting. Because it, but in a specific situation, and that specific situation is so low and dealing with when you get more than one enemy and you're an evasion investigator. And once you're at two or three enemies that you're trying to evade regularly, you're losing so much time to dealing with those enemies it can be really hard to get out of that situation. Mm-hmm. And something like this, to just invest one action, shut everyone down, get a move as well, try and put a bit of distance between you and and the pack, is really powerful. I've not run this card a lot, but it's been strong when I have done that. The other thing that I was thinking the wording was really odd on this card, but of course you can commit it to someone else evading, which is also kind of neat. In that regard, it is more flexible than Fire Extinguisher, which has to be you doing the evade. Mm -hmm. And it only invades every other enemy engaged with you. Whereas this, something's gone wrong and my teammate has ended up with three enemies on them and they think all I can do is evade. I could commit the survival instinct and they get a triple evade. That's really, really good. It fits in with Bait and Switch and Fire Extinguisher, though, in this really uneasy place where evade is at this point in the game. It's not yes. late, later on we start to see effects with evade that seem to get people more excited. What's the card? I can't remember the name of the card. It's when you evade an enemy by two or more, you get a clue. Uh, uh Belly No, Belly of the Beast? Yes, Belly of the Beast. I think that is that Innsmouth. Might be an Innsmouth. Wages of Sin. Wow. <laughs> so so TCU. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, there we go. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, like, you know, Belly of the Beast, you play it after you do an evade, so you don't have to play it itself. You get a clue for the evade. It gives you more value for the evade. At this point, it seems like a lot of the rewards for evading are do more evading or move. Yeah, and yeah. Is there something as well about Dunwich didn't have particularly large maps? So it just felt like if I'm going to get a move out of it, I'm only going to have to move back to that location anyway. It'd be interesting to revisit it in terms of action spent moving around the maps. Yeah. Let's move on to uh, a chance encounter. This is a one-cost event. It has a willpower and an intellect pip, and it has the fortune trait. So uh, Rex can't take it. Choose an ally asset in any player's discard pile. Put that asset into play under your control. 
at the end of the round, if that asset is still in play, discard it. So I think this is a nice card, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think it's never really fallen that into or out of favour. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's never been something that people hate or people love. I guess with Charlie coming out, people are, are giving it another look. Yeah. Feels like a great pick in Charlie. Mm-hmm. This combined with, what was the other card we just looked at? Flair. Yes. Makes Survivor a really solid pick. For his his secondary um, one of his secondary classes, yeah, I totally agree. It's such a strange little card because it promises so much, and it's not that it doesn't deliver on it, but what it's delivering on is this li- really limited idea of that you get an ally for a turn. What's crazy about it is if someone say had a Leo De Luca that's been killed for one cost and an action, you get a Leo for a turn, so you get the action back, which not that you tend to play amazing, but you just <laughs> but you you get three actions that turn and you get a 2-2 soak and similarly you could do it you know pay one cost get milan for a turn and investigate and get a couple of resources if you're playing pre-taboo milan something like that or you're fighting for a turn so you get a beat cop but all of those examples don't sing to me as efficient uses of the cards where this card starts to really sing is any ally that has an enters play effect where probably the reason you're playing that ally is for the enters play effect so recycling that is a thing. And I've played this in a Miskatonic ally army min, mm-hmm. which she has access to Survivor, so she could also be doing that. And this was, you know, an ally dies, whether it's a laboratory assistant or an art student, and I chance encounter to get them back. Rinse and repeat. It's really nice. And then another reason to, to take Survivor in, in Charlie Kane isn't for this card, but is for the upgraded version of the card which is where you pay the cost of the card and it just comes into play. And at that point, Charlie becomes this ally sponge, soaking up allies. You know, you could be flaring and stealing allies from your deck and then yeah. chance encountering allies from your discard pile. And that becomes a thing in itself. And yeah, I, j- I just, like it. Just to it's add to what you said card. as well, you've, you've also got the ability mm. to discard allies. So I, I can't think of an example that's on my head. The only one that's popped in my head is Stray Cat. <laughs> so you can bring Stray Cat back and then uh, sacrifice that ally over the course of your turn and then it comes yeah. back to yeah beat cop for yeah. a damage yeah yeah beat cop for a damage yeah that kind of thing which is not not an incredible use of the card but it's nice nice i think it's nice i mean that takes us down a line as well of there are a lot of cards in guardian that do something when they die mm. and if you know you're going to be taking a hit that turn you know imagine paying one to get a brother Xavier back. And if you're going to take a big hit and Brother Xavier's going to explode, maybe that's what you're doing this for. You just recur your Brother Xavier for a turn. Or similarly, a Tetsuo Mori. Tetsuo can soak for the team. Brother Xavier can soak for the team. So you're spending an action to get this soak back. And you want it to soak so that you you then move on. And I've seen Chance Encounter as well with the Red Club Man. Because the Red Club Man boosts your stats. So it can be a way of just saying, right, I just need another go at the Red Club Man. Of course, it would be remiss of us not to mention calling in favours. The, yes. the cute play with this is you pull an ally into play and you then chance encounter to pick that ally up to search your deck for another ally, which means the original ally is no longer in play, so it doesn't get discarded. So you get around the bad side of it, which is lovely. Next, we have Stroke of Luck. 
This is a 2 XP skill with a wild icon. It's innate and fortune traded. It reads, commit only to a skill test you're performing. After revealing chaos tokens for this test, you may choose to exile Stroke of Luck. If you do, this test is automatically successful unless an auto-fail token was revealed. This is another interesting one. I think a 2 XP exile feels feels a lot more of a commitment, especially mm-hmm. when, I don't know, it's, a, it's only on a skill test you are performing and it doesn't automatically succeed at the test. I don't know. I, I feel like this maybe would have been better at 1 XP. I've come out to bat for this card before in Solo Silas. Mm-hmm. And where I like it in Silas is that Silas's ability means you not only get to choose whether or not you exile Stroke of Luck, but you also get to choose whether or not you pull it back to hand. Yes, and that I've is had turns yeah. where I'm at clutch times. I put in Stroke of Luck. And then I pull a zero and the plus one from Stroke of Luck wasn't even needed. I'm going to pass. So I pull it back to hand. Then I do it again and then I exile it or something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that is nice. I think, I ha- I think I've think i run it in Silas before as well. I think probably in a standalone mm. at some point. Yeah, that's a really nice use of it. Sadly, I think Unrelenting might generally be better than it <laughs> in that situation. Well, for an XP less. <laughs> Yeah, Unrelenting's an incredibly good card, but you can do a little bit of bag curation in that way and you don't have to exile Unrelenting to do so. So, yeah, I wonder if Unrelenting gets tabooed. Really strong card. But, yeah, it's it's sort of... um, It's fascinating to me that a card like Lucky that just gives you a plus two is played everywhere, or in many, many places, is a very popular card. But mm-hmm. a card like Stroke of Luck, lots of people is ostensibly this. more powerful. Sorry, <laughs> I was doing my best Donald Trump impression. Many people are saying this. Lots of people are saying, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But a card like Stroke of Luck, which is ostensibly more powerful, it gives you an auto succeed. It's, it's. I think it's the exile that holds it back. Maybe it's the one-off nature of it as well. Mm. What you, apart from in Silas, you can't do what you do with Lucky which is go into multiple tests lower than other investigators might, knowing that you've got a reactive plus two. Yeah. There's no situation in which you can say, oh, actually, I'm going to stroke of luck that and pass, because you have to have already put it in. So yeah. the initial test has baked into it a bit of a feels-bad moment of, I think I'm going to put it into this test. Oh, but I don't need to exile it. Okay. And maybe that's when you're then using your resourceful to pick it back up or other recursion as a way of being like, right, well, I'm, I'm going to make this land. But that seems like a lot of work. So, yeah, that's Stroke of Luck. Shall we move on to uh, our last pair of cards? Mm-hmm. We're at the end of the cycle now, yes. so we've got some juicy high XP survivor cards. Almighty. Oh, wait. <laughs> Three XP. <laughs> uh, first of all, we have Aquina, the Forgotten Daughter. Uh, she's a 4-cost, 3xp asset. She has a willpower and an agility pip. And she's the ally. She has the ally trade. Reaction. When an enemy attacks you, exhaust Equina and deal 1 horror to her. Deal that enemy's damage to any enemy at her location instead. You still take horror dealt by the attack. Uh, she has 1 health and 4 sanity and uses the ally slot. Do not be frightened by what you see. Be frightened by what you cannot see. This is a bit like... What's the 
the guy called in is it Mystery Men that superhero film? Mm-hmm. The, the 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 guy who was always speaking in riddles. <laughs> Do you not can't remember which character? He's like, I want to watch Mystery Men again. It's a yeah, film. it's been a long time. He's, he's always he's saying things like, "If you do not control your anger, your anger will control you." It's everything yes, he says yeah, yeah, is yeah. of that format. Yes, yeah. Do not be frightened by what you see. See what you are frightened by. <laughs> now, again, the weird templating thing. I think that final parenthetical sentence should really be italicized. It's not rules text. It's just a a rules reminder. In the same way that, you know, beat cop or guard dog don't point out that you need to make sure you... Anyway, it's 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 a small thing. So she is an upgrade to an ally we got in the corset. And really her upgrade is that she's one cheaper, she's got an icon, and she can deal the damage back to the attacking enemy rather than the needing to be two enemies at your location. Yes, yes, that's really and good, yeah. For that reason i think she's quite strong and i found her super strong in a yorick deck back in the day where you're wanting to take hits and you have lots of soak that you can replay and you essentially turn all enemies against themselves which is just really fun yeah you can be kind of crafty with who hits what and how you do it and and that sort of thing so yeah i i really enjoy her in that style i think the reason we don't see her as often is another card in this selection, which is Peter Sylvester. Yes. And for two XP, you get two stat boosts and unlimited horror soak, and it's cheaper. For for one more resource and one more XP, you get no stat boosts and an ability that still requires you to be hit by enemies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, not, it's not a freebie. You still have to deal with the attacks. I definitely think that Daniela has made people look at Aquina again. Because mm-hmm. she has the same trigger, reaction trigger as Daniela does, which is that an enemy's attack yes. you. So, you know, wait for an enemy to attack you, deal damage to it, and then also deal its damage back to itself. Yes. Yeah. But then again, you know, who's likely to want to take an infinite soak ally? <laughs> Daniela. The investigator who likes being hit. Yeah. 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 Well, maybe there's a charisma build out there with both of them. It's a pretty expensive thing to invest in. Yes, your second charisma, so you can take Jessica as well. <laughs> exactly. And that's, yeah, um, pretty expensive in terms of XP, right? It's 3, 6, 9, 12, 16, 18 <laughs> for the suite. That's your, yeah, it's a lot. I like her. I think it's a cool ability. I. I think it's probably a little bit underpowered compared to some of the allies in Survivor, which is why it doesn't quite sing as a 3 XP. You know, given as well that 3 XP is meant to be where Survivor's at in terms of power, it's definitely a low 3 XP, not a high 3 XP Mm. for me. Yeah, yeah. Which is a shame because I think it's a really cool effect and cool style. Should we move on to the last card in the set then? Let's do it. Okay, we have... A, another asset, two-cost asset, try and try again. This is 3 XP and has two willpower icons and has the talent trait uh, reaction. After a skill test has failed, if a skill card you own is committed to that test, exhaust try and try again, return that skill card to your hand. There is a, there's another version of this somewhere, isn't there, which uses charges? Mm. No. 
uses tries. You, well, sorry, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a level one version that comes into play with three tries. Right. And it's the same text, but you spend a try to use the reaction ability. So it comes in with three three uses, essentially. Whereas the try and try again level three is once a turn forever. And I think I think I'm a little bit guilty of forgetting this card exists. Mm-hmm. Because that, on paper, on card, that seems like a really good ability. Especially in... Mm. Maybe I did put it in my Stella deck. <laughs> but if if you're doing some nonsense with with like um, difficulty improving cards like Quick Learner mm-hmm. and Take Heart, this this seems like a decent shout. Like being able to play a Take Heart every single turn <laughs> with this card, that seems good. Now you're oh, falling into yes because you can't yes the yeah, trap I know, I know you're about to say this yeah. card. Mm-hmm. Yes, that doesn't work. <laughs> That's probably yeah. why I haven't used it then. So this card triggers for clarity at step six of the test, which determines success or failure. And then step seven is resolve the effects of success or failure. And most effects are led by if you succeed, do X, or if you fail, do Y. So you have this after a thing, which happens after six, and then step seven kicks in. So if you use try and try again to pull back a skill card that cares about you failing and that triggers off failure like Take Heart does, mm-hmm. unfortunately you've pulled it back to hand before you've left it committed to trigger, which is, yeah, really sad. Some reviews point out that you could commit something like Unrelenting, yeah. use it to draw two cards, and then if you and fail, then as long as you're failing the yeah. test, pull it back. And similarly with Signum Crucis... You could put Signum Crucius in and put a load of blesses in, and then if you fail, you pull it back. Yes, because what you could do, I guess, then is do like drawing thin or mm. uh, quick learner, commit, take mm-hmm. heart, commit, unrelenting, draw four cards, gain two resources, and then use this to pull mm. the unrelenting back to your hand. Yeah, yeah, which is pretty gross. And in fact, you could do that every turn, couldn't you? Yeah. Uh, the take heart stays committed, but... Yes, you, you could bring the take heart back, but you could just commit the unrelenting every turn as a kind of half yeah. a take heart. <laughs> I think this would fill a really good spot in, I've mentioned him already, the solo Silas decks I've run, where one of the things where it can really fall apart is you've got that lovely flow in Silas, I'm committing cards, and pulling back the cards I didn't need to commit, and that's keeping me going. And one of the ways it can go wrong is if you start failing tests and losing cards that you want to keep that flow with. Mm-hmm. And something like that, I think it like really neatly fits in that spot. But it just, I just, I don't think I've ever had the spare six XP for two copies and got it down. And the, I mean, the other thing is we're thinking of Survivor here, but you could also be running this in someone who's running skills from other classes. So imagine you're running this in say a daryl and saving your deductions if you're failing on a deduction test or you're running this in wendy and you're running rogue skill cards so you're running i don't know a quick thinking or a, a double or nothing back in the days where you might run double or nothing this could be a really powerful ability to make sure you land those clutch moments yeah our discussion of try and try again interacts really nicely with our discussion of stroke of luck mm. because it's a similar thing of when you commit a skill, you want that test to be impactful. Yeah. 
And one of the reasons why you might not run certain skills is either because it's hard to have that situation where you want the impact, or it's really frustrating if you put it in to be impactful and then it's not impactful. And try and try again kind of Difficult card to justify, though, like psychologically, when it's it's purely a, a variant shield rather than actively contributing towards your success. Yeah. Yeah. Because in my in my head when I'm playing a deck, I'm like, oh well I'll just pass all my tests then, that's easy. Yeah. Uh, I don't I don't fancy taking this because it doesn't help me do that. I nearly glibly said who's planning to fail tests yeah. <laughs> then plenty of people. <laughs> to be fair, I could do better at maybe factoring in a certain percentage of the tests I'm taking while I'm playing are going to be failures. But I just don't think that that's a, you know, it's not a good way to play of just assuming you're passing everything because, of course, you're not going to pass everything. You will draw the tentacle at some point. Yeah. But similarly, building, sort of baking into your deck failure contingency is is strange for 3 XP, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I want to look at it again in light of decks that are really leaning hard into fail. I think maybe there's... Maybe there's something there. Maybe I'll look at it in Stella. And the other thing about this as well, just just for completeness's sake here, it's it's also if someone else fails a test, as long as you've committed a card. I wonder if the level one version... Oh, it's an asset. I was going to say Carson could take it, but he can't. <laughs> it's a shame. Because it is that sort of helpy thing. Okay, everyone, everyone put in a card. I need to pass this test. And then they pull a tentacle and everyone's like, mm, why did I help you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. This is why I play solo. Okay, that takes us to the end of the Survivor player cards from the Dunwich Legacy Investigator expansion for players. Peter, any standout card you want to call out at the end here? It, it's an interesting one. That The cards are either sort of good or bad. They've either stood the test of time or they haven't. Do, do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah, it's felt like that as we've been reviewing them, hasn't it? Yeah. It's been either, yeah, strong card not much to say or no didn't see that card fight its way in i think there are some which planted the seeds of better cards on upgrades like newspaper and oops both kind of were like little seeds and fire extinguisher as well actually yeah they but they both blossomed into something better than their their lower level versions i feel like we might have said that about the the guardian episode as yeah. well yeah. <laughs> the cards are yeah. either we, we love them and we still play them or we just don't think about them funnily enough there's very few cards here that don't have another version yeah so peter sylvester so firex doesn't but peter sylvester has two versions bait and switch has an upgraded version yes. oops does fire extinguisher does yes. flare doesn't so that's two newspaper does lure does rise to the occasion does scrapper doesn't that's three Dark Horse doesn't, that's four. Survival Instinct has another version. Chance Encounter has another version. Stroke of Luck doesn't. So five of these 18 cards, or 17 cards, don't have other versions. Mm. Shows that like, the space has been quite well explored, whether that's downgrades or upgrades. I think it's just going to have to be Pete. Pete's going to just 100% stood the test of time, managed to get to, uh, what, be six cycles in, seven cycles in? Without being tabooed. Um, so <laughs> How has he done that? Well, what a sly dog. It's the, yeah. the broad-shouldered confidence of youth. That's that's what the that's what's done it. It's exactly. He's the big man on campus. No one wants to stand up. Man, him. he just he's so good. And I think the other thing I like about him is that he 
I guess thematically, right, even if he's not literally with you, we talked about whether allies are literally with you, right? Mm-hmm. It's always funny to imagine Pete being wherever you are, in the middle of the jungle, you're an orphan, and yeah. then there's a football player behind you. But but yeah. <laughs> seeing him turn up is, is like that feeling of having him standing behind you. Mm. You're just, oh, Pete's here. Everything's going to be okay because Pete Sylvester's here. He's going to stand by, behind me. He's got my back. I take some horror. You know, it doesn't matter. He's fine. He can give me a bit of a pep talk. He can play the long game. He can run. Uh, it's all good. Yeah, that's great. He's also huge. Have you seen how big he is? He's like towering over that no, building. No, he's only, yeah. well, what's that? Maybe just not even an inch, I reckon. <laughs> and I will choose, I think I'm going to choose Flair. Oh, what a sort of That's hidden, a great pick. Hidden gem here. So that I can play Flair and steal your Peter Sylvester <laughs> out of your deck. Damn it. <laughs> Fooled again. And then I will exude the sort of confidence one only finds with Yeah, I just Flair's just a fun card. Cool big big explosion or yeah, launch into the sky and get help. And I think I'll I think I might be due one thing I noticed with one of my Charlie decks was struggling for damage acceleration. Yeah. And Flair fits the bill really neatly there yeah yeah we'll compare it to another direct damage card when we come to review the seekers at some point oh, in the future okay. yeah Great. but i don't think it stands up that badly to that and i think if i'm running an exile deck and i'm taking deja vu it's mm. in terms of general utility exile cards it's right up there yeah. that and test of will are the two like they're the, the, yeah. the gold first four xp yeah that's yeah. right cool well Listener, you can tell us what your favourite Dunwich card is. If you have one, you can get in touch with us. We're drawn to the flame podcast at gmail.com. We're drawn to the flame on Facebook, Twitter, Designed by Humans, and Patreon. And if you become a patron, we've got very low patronage rates. If you can afford that, we thank you so much. And you can come and chat to us on our Discord, which is a very fun place to talk about the game. Peter, how can people get in touch with you? I, I think when you said we have low patronage rates, that means it's not expensive to to patronize oh us. yeah cheap we're cheap our patrons are cheap <laughs> um, <laughs> they're not sorry patrons <laughs> we do have lots of lots of lovely patrons and that's that's the best thing about it in that there's a great community yeah, on the discord it really is shout out to the patrons hashtag blessed whoop, whoop. yes you can get hold of me i'm around the place uh, currently on twitter on i guess reddit and steam and instagram as generally as united on instagram as the top united so please say hello if you see me how about you frank i'm on twitter as fb that's e-p-h underscore b-e-e and i'm around the place as zooey glass or zozo also please say hello thanks for listening thank you sorry the cat is just trying to get in wait a minute I can see he's like sticking his paw through the door, but he can't open the door. <laughs> Hendrick, if you yet, yet, cut two. Sorry, I'll I'll let him in. Hang on a second. Yeah, go on. Oh, there he is. Right, you're gonna stop whining now. I'll talk. I am recording, but I'm talking to him. I've seen more reasons to run it, more reasons. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, the cat is now on the desk with his face up against the microphone. Yeah. Let me start that again once I've removed him. Hendrick. Okay. 
You can be in, but you've got to sit, okay? You can't you can't be doing this. There we go, that's better. He's just now sitting down with his face directly in my face. Just sitting right close to me. <laughs> no sense of personal face.